You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from the triune God. So I don't know if you guys have heard, but we're coming to the end of a decade And uh, anytime we arrive at some sort of like arbitrary period of time, our culture decides to take it as an opportunity to ask you what you've accomplished, which is, I think, very stressful. Um, I I feel like it's a direct correlation for me, my my mental health and self-esteem between the amount of time I spend on Twitter reading people's responses to that meme that's been going around and like not doing that at all. Um, and so, so I had this whole um, panic experience when I first saw that meme go around. It was like last week sometime. And I, for my first thought was, it's November. The, the year is, we're still have like a whole month and a half left in 2019. Like, you don't know what I'm going to do in the next month and a half. I could do all kinds of things in the next month and a half. And then I was like, I haven't done anything. I'm worthless. And then I took a deep breath. And I thought, wait a second. I, I actually, among other things, was ordained to the priesthood in this decade. So it wasn't like, this is, thank you. That's nice. It, that wasn't the point. The point was, the point was that that was nice, though. The point was that, that it's not like everybody has done something. Um, and then I read the propers for this week, and I f- suddenly felt very relieved about all of it and realized how silly I was being um, because this is indeed the Feast of Christ the King. And you may be asking yourself what the Feast of Christ the King has to do with what I've accomplished this decade. Um, and you would be right to ask that, and I promise I will tell you. Um, so the Feast of Christ the King was uh, started by Pope Pius XII in 1925. And um, totally, just a little side note, so the Romans started this feast. It's not very old, obviously. Um, and they, they moved it. Um, it used to be on Halloween, basically, <clears throat> which I thought was interesting. Um, but then they, then they moved it to the last Sunday of the liturgical year in like 1970. And they also changed the name. So while everybody else who celebrates this feast still calls it the Feast of Christ the King, or if you want to euphemize it a little bit, the reign, the reign of Christ. Um, the Catholics now call it the blessed solemnity of Christ, the King, ruler of the universe. Which I thought, that is just, that's amazing. That is so Roman Catholic, very extra. Um, like, they're not even, like, they're one-upping themselves and they're still doing it. I, I just, I was like, and it's not untrue, right? We read, we heard the Colossians passage, Christ is indeed the ruler of the universe. However, um, anyway, back to the point of it, which is that in 1925 in Europe, um, there was this very troubling trend towards fascism happening, which was, um, which the Pope was concerned about, um, there was fascism, there had just been the Bolshevik resolu- re- resolution, revolution, and Pope Pius was worried that human beings were doing this thing we are wont to do where we start to 
um, put earthly leaders in God's place and then make all kinds of really bad decisions as a result. Seems relevant to our time. Seems, seems like that's still relevant. Um, and so P- Pius basically created this festival as like kind of like a giant like to um, Mussolini, basically, um, and the, the fascist movement in, uh, in Italy. Um, and and we, we, we still celebrate it to this day, but I think it sometimes gets relegated, like Pastor Reagan said in the beginning of the service, it gets relegated to this weird underdog status. Like, we're all so exhausted um, about thinking about Thanksgiving and like preparing for Advent that we kind of forget about it, and it seems like kind of a weird feast. Um, but, I, but I think it's actually really important. And why it's important, you can, you can understand from looking at the texts that are chosen by the Revised Common Lectionary for this feast. So there's, there's three different ones. They go in, in the cycle. Um, and and uh, the other two years, we have um, Matthew 25, which tells the story of the sheep and the goats. And um, Christ gives the famous, you know, what you've done for the least of these who are my siblings, you have done for me. That, that, so that's one. Then there's, there's the scene from John in, where he's getting tried by Pilate, and Pilate's asking him if he's a king, and he's trying to get Christ to like commit to saying he's a king out loud so he can execute him without feeling bad about it, and Jesus won't do it. It's kind of interesting. And then there's, we have this one, where Jesus is literally getting crucified, and that's what, this is his king moment. Which, at first thought, that's kind of weird. Um, I, I did the children's homily at my other church this morning, and I asked them, when you guys think of a king, what is it that you think of? And they told me a variety of things, which I will now share with you. They said they, they thought of uh, a crown. They thought about someone who had a throne, who wore a purple robe, who, uh, they said, one, one kid said, a really rich guy. Uh, one kid said somebody who has a castle. Um, and then I asked them, does Jesus have any of these things? And they said, no, because he doesn't. And that paradox right there is exactly why Christ the King Sunday relieved my, my performance anxiety as a human being. Uh, and let me tell you why. So uh, this feast is about... What kind of king is it that we're really talking about? Um, and and this, is a, this was an argument that people were having during the time of Jesus. They had lots of ideas about who the Messiah would be. And many people who were really expectantly waiting for the Messiah to come were people who were hoping it was going to be a, uh, a military leader, somebody who would who would come and overthrow the Romans and free them from their domination and they, would, and they would have their kingdom back and everything would be amazing like it was in the time of King David. And when this guy from Nazareth came and started walking around telling them to um, love their neighbor and give away all their possessions to the poor, a lot of people didn't see that and think, oh, that's definitely the Messiah. But as Christians, that is what we believe. We believe that in order to be a king, God became a human being, lived a fully human life, was poor and dirty and oppressed, 
did nothing wrong, and then allowed himself to be executed by the state for everybody. So what we see here in this gospel story is Jesus is really proclaimed king at the moment that he takes all of his power and has laid it all down. So we have in this story lots of people um, kind of like little snapshots of lots of people's opinions of Jesus, what they see in Jesus in this, in this situation. We have the Roman authorities who put this sign, this is the king of the Jews, above his head, and they meant that to humiliate the Jewish people. Right? This was a tool of their imperial oppression. We have the leaders, the, the leaders of um, the Jewish faith who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, scoffing at him and saying, well, if you are the Messiah, then you should save yourself and prove to us that you are the Messiah. And you have the Roman soldiers who are laughing at him. And you have the other criminal, the one over here, who's laughing at him too. And then you have this other guy who is the only one in this situation who seems to have a real understanding of what's going on. Um, the one of the criminals that's being crucified with Jesus, um, he's in the same situation, the most, one of the most horrific ways that humans have ever found to kill somebody. Um, and he looks at Jesus, and instead of seeing somebody who is an object of ridicule or somebody who, unlike his fellow cr- criminal over here, as somebody who can help him, he just looks at him and, and is like, you are innocent. You, he, I deserve this. You know, this is, he sees in his fate some sort of justice. The Bible does not tell us what this person did. The Romans executed people for all kinds of things that we would never execute someone for now, so he literally could have just stolen, like, bread or something. Um, but probably not. He was probably a revolutionary or a murderer or something like that. And he feels like he is getting what's coming to him. But he looks at Jesus and is like, you're not like me. You don't belong here. And in seeing that, he recognizes Jesus's sovereignty, which is really interesting, I think. And I think it really tells us how we're supposed to respond to Jesus as king and what the good news is for us in that. If the culture is constantly telling us, and it is, that we have to do more and buy more and be more and that we need to amass power at the expense of others and what makes us important is having lots of money and being able to tell other people what to do. We have this alternative way of looking at the world where instead of that, we have the king of the universe who willingly took all of his power laid it down, and sacrificed himself because he loved us that much. And I don't know about you, but that really takes the pressure off for me. Because Jesus' response to this criminal who recognizes him for who he is, is, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So this is not a righteous person, This is not somebody who has done all the right things, who goes to church every week, who like pledges the right amount or always dresses correctly or never drinks alcohol or doesn't have sex or never swears. This is like 
somebody who's really messed up. And Jesus is like, no, you will be with me. Because this, this person is like, I see what you have, I see what you are, and I want in. And that's all it took. That's all it took. So I was like stewing in my juices about whether my 20s were a waste of my life and realized that I was missing the entire point of being alive. God didn't give me this life so that I could spend it worrying about what I've gotten done on earth. Like, that doesn't make any sense. God, God, didn't, God didn't give me this life. God didn't sacrifice God's own self on my behalf so that I could spend my entire life enslaved to this belief that I'll never be good enough. That's just, that's just a lie. That's just a lie from sin. Because, because the good news is, if we have a king whose whole move of being in leadership is to, be, to surrender, to being powerless, to be humble, to be poor, to be marginalized and excluded, it means that if society looks at you and says, oh yeah, you don't belong here, you're not good enough, you don't fit, that you actually are probably closer to the kingdom of God. And, and that is really, that's really good news. That's really good news because it means that you don't have to do anything. You don't have to achieve anything. You don't have to make money or status. All you have to do is look at Jesus and see a king instead of a failure or someone to be despised or someone to be felt sorry for because he was stupid enough to give up his power. He was foolish enough to give up his own power and see that not as a weakness, but as the strongest thing that you can do. And then you can spend your whole life, instead of trying to get power, you can spend your whole life giving it away like Jesus. And if you don't have any to begin with, then that's great news, because you don't have to, you're, you're doing fine. And this isn't to say that we shouldn't try to make the world a more just place. Of course we should. But the good news of Christ the King Sunday is that our salvation isn't contingent upon doing that. We, we, there's, no, there's no rubric, there's nothing to measure up to, because the person who is asking us to follow him, has shown us what we need to do. And that is to be totally willing to lay down our life for other people and to, th- and to care more about others and more about God than about ourselves. And I know I made a joke about fascism earlier, but every, everybody, regardless of what, where they are in the political spectrum, has these things these things that they allow to rule their lives instead of God, whether it's a political ideology or consumerism or addiction, anything that gets between you and realizing the truth, which is that you are a beloved child of God who has already been bought and paid for and that all you need to do is just live in that knowledge that's what God is trying to free you from. And the good news of Christ the King is that 
you can be. Amen. You have been listening to the Sermon Podcast for House for All Sinners and Saints. If you like what you've been hearing and would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, just go to our website, www.houseforall.org, and click on Give.